I want to talk to you about five great things. It took me a few years to find this out. I mean, some of what I preach now in my, this, my stage of life I'm in, our accumulated truth takes a while to grasp. I have to go through the book a few times. Now, I have to say this. You know, the Bible said, Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Chris Barrows, when he preaches the Bible, it's an ancient book. It's a book of truth. A 28-year-old man, it's just as true when a 28-year-old guy preaches as a 69-year-old man. Uh, when, when Thomas gets up here and preaches as a 25-year-old man, it's just as powerful. The book's just as true as when an old man preaches it. Uh, the difference between the old man and the young man is just the old man has walked along with God longer. And there's some certain amount of spices that can be added to the word and give it a little bit more flavor. That's about all the difference. And that's God's way. It's God's way. And so I want to share with you something God gave me about the life of Hannah. First uh, Samuel chapter uh, 1 through 7, really. That should scare you because anytime a preacher tells you he's going to go through seven chapters of the Bible, it will be a long, dry sermon. But it's not going to be. This won't be long. So you hang in there with me. It's 1125. You hang in there with me, and we're going to learn something. And if you already know it, you'll love to hear it again because it's a great truth that we can know. Father, come because we need you. Without you, we're nothing. What do we know? What do we know without you? Who are we without you? You birthed us, held us, uh, held, held us uh, into the womb when everything really was against us. We survived the birth process. We survived all the diseases and troubles and accidents and eventualities that can happen in this world to this very moment. You have been our sustainer, our keeper, our God. Help us to worship you by our service, by our loyalty, by our, our lives. And may the world see it and say we want that. Let me lift Jesus up. The Bible said if we'll just lift you up, you'll draw man to yourself. We don't have to sell you. We just have to lift you up. Help us in this few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. It's scary to trust. It's scary to trust. Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3 5, and 6, you know, been quoted, run over. That, that path has been well-worn. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding in all thy ways. All they was what? You know it? And he'll do what? Direct your path. That's a great, what is the will of God? Trent, my grandson's in the midst of uh, trying to find the will of God. He's in, I remember that. I remember being where he's at. It's a, it's a hard time of life. You know, he has a lot of uncertainties in his life. He's not married yet, doesn't know who his wife's going to be. That's big. I mean, who you marry makes you or breaks you. And so you want to find a wife that's from God, amen? Not the, the devil, he's got a hundred Jezebels for you. But God's got one woman for you. And so you're in the midst, you don't know who that is, you know. You go to college, you make a big choice on what college you go to, that's big. You go to college, that's settled. But then you get out of college where he's at in graduation here, coming up the 3rd of May. And now what? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? 
So a church is in Colorado asking him to go and candidate for being a youth pastor. So he's struggling with all that. And Lord, what do you want me to do? Because really in his heart, he doesn't think he just wants to do God's will wherever it's at. And I think that's where you and I are most of the time. We just want to do the will of God, but we have to trust. God's not going to let you get out of this thing easily. He's not going to let you have a flowery bed of ease. You're going to have to go through things to do what? To make you trust. That's what this thing's about. Things are going to come up and have come up, and you old-timers are sitting there shaking your head because you've already been through so many of them. Everything pushes you back to God. When you're, when you're in pre-op, brother, there's no more helpless feeling in life than to be in pre-op. Knowing that they're getting ready to put you out. My last words that I spoke before I went under were, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told the surgeon that. And then the lights went out. And I woke up back in pre-op. Now, they give you this amnesia stuff. Man, you cannot remember what happened. I don't remember any of it at all. He says, we do that so you have a good experience. I said, well, what questions do you ask me in the meantime? <laughs> it's scary to trust people. I don't like to fly. I don't have a fear of flying. Okay. I don't want to have a fear of anything. Fear does not mean... I. You read the Bible, you love the Bible. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Fear and love don't dwell in the same room. If I love God and I believe he loves me, I can't have fear. Because if I have fear, that means I don't trust God. You got it? You can go home with that. That's a big truth. Fear is going to be your enemy until you breathe your last breath. I remember old Bobby said a couple days ago, I'm scared. Bob Rose said, I'm scared. I get it. I get it. Death comes up in its gruesomeness and its awesomeness and its horror, and he, he roars, but he has no teeth for the born-again believer. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. I wish you were a black church. You guys are dead as a doornail. Come on now. Help me out. Glory to God. You're from Pentecostal. You, can see, you know how to say amen. You got to be Baptist too much. You got to go a little back. Whoa. Oh, death. Where's your sting? It still has a sting. But it does not have victory. And it only has us for a short time. Bobby took his last breath and bowed his head. The Bible says the angels of God came and gathered up Lazarus. Remember the rich man Lazarus? The angels came in that room and said, Bobby, it's time to go. He was free from that time on. He now can hear. He now can taste. He now can see. And those were things, by the way, that he had lost. Oh, man, I'm excited. But you got to trust. You get on a plane. I don't like it. My wife saw me right now to fly out to California. I want to drive. You know, it's a five-day drive. You know, five-day drive, five motels, blah, blah, blah. She wants to fly. Let's fly out. Well, if I fly, I say, I never am going to fly into L.A. You can just mark that in your book. <laughs> I hate that airport with a passion. 
Nobody should live like them people out there and uh, put up with it day after day. And so I'm flying in Las Vegas. I mean, the flights are cheaper. You can hit a few slots, go out. <laughs> no. No. The doctor said, uh, doctor said I had 1% chance of getting bad COVID. And I said, I'll take, I'll take that to Las Vegas. And he laughed. He said, you're a gambler? I said, I'm not. But if you gave me those odds, and I'd go to Las Vegas. If you told me I'd go to Las Vegas and win 99% of the time, I'm going. I'll tithe on it. I mean, come on, brother. What are you afraid of, that 1%? You got 10% chance of a 90-year-old killing you out on 41. He don't remember where he's at, where he's been, where he's going. I see, barrels can't do that. No, no. I, I get on an airplane, I think of, is the pilot sober? I mean, right? They're drunk as a skunk. They get on there and fly them planes. I think as the pilot had a bad fight with his wife last night, she just told him she had divorced him and filling all the credit cards up, taking everything he's got, and has, a boy, has had a boyfriend for the last 10 years. And he just wants to commit suicide anyway. But I'm on the plane with him problem with bad pilots is they always take people with them. Never fly alone. And so I'm thinking, you get on that plane, you wonder, I wonder if the mechanic who was supposed to do his checklist really did it, or did he skip it? You, you get on the plane, you don't think about any of that, do you? But the truth is, all of those things you're trusting people to do. You're trusting people to gas it up. You're trusting people to de-ice it. Not in Florida. But you're trusting people to to maintain all that thing, get that thing ready to go so you can fly from point A to point B without dying. And yet, people won't trust God in the simplest things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Quit leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways. How many ways? All your ways. Black church, all your ways. Preach it, brother. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Trusting, trusting, trusting. It's scary not to be in control. That's what you're giving up. But God, putting your, your faith in God is the only way you're going to see him work in your life. The only way you're going to see him is go in the fire like the three boys did, three Hebrew boys did. Or go into the lion's den like, like Daniel did. Or go into slavery like Joseph did. And be in the pit, you know, and then you're like, that's where you're going to see God. People say, I want to see God. I don't see God. Ask him. At 27 years old, I was at a pinnacle, a, a, a dead end of my life where I didn't feel I could go any further. I wasn't going any further with God. And I started praying, God, I want to see your power. Do whatever you have to do that I may see your power. I had cancer within a year. Cancer within a year. And you know what I did? I got to see his hand again. His power came out on me. Helped me out. I'm still here. And God just works with you that way, man. So I'm going to show you five things this morning. Samuel, the life of Samuel, 
Let me give it to you because i got to do this context with it. There's, every text has a context. It's a context. First Samuel 1.10 said, Hannah wanted a child. She was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. She, she said, God, i got to have a kid. Now, men, 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 if you know anything about women, when they want something real bad, they're going to get it. Or they're going to make everybody around them miserable. Because when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And Hannah was making her husband miserable. I'm not mean on you girls because, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But Hannah was a miserable girl. She was making her husband miserable. She's making everybody around her miserable. She's crying and weeping. He wanted her to be happy, and he wouldn't be happy because i got to give me child or i die. In verse 11, he said, if thou will indeed look into the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto, unto thine handmaid a man-child. Amen! That's what Barrows prayed for. <laughs> give unto me a man-child. Now, you people had girls. God bless you. I'm not downing you at all. But this particular woman wanted a man-child. And I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there should be no razor cut upon his head. <laughs> God wants to bless you. He really does. But can he trust you? Well, a little over nine months later, Hannah had a child. It was a man child, and she named him Samuel, which means asked, his name means asked of God. So she gave it to him. Now what's she going to do with it? What's she going to do with what God gave her? Well, after the boy was weaned, she gave him to a man, a chief, the head priest there, Eli. Eli wasn't a good guy. His sons were worse. And, uh, and this Samuel grew up among a bad environment, really a bad environment. It was a bad. The boys, the, Eli's boys were bad. They were bad seed. And they did wickedly, and God ended up killing them. But... Samuel, now what's amazing about this whole story in chapter 1 through 7 in 1 Samuel is there's been no greater priest in the nation of Israel recorded in the Bible than Samuel. I'm talking about him today. Thousands of years down the road because God put him in the Bible. He made the book. Hannah made the book. Because she did what? Trusted God. If you're ever going to do any, go anywhere with God, you're going to have to trust him. And he's going to make things scary because trusting is giving control to someone beside yourself. Now, a lot of times we give control to God when we don't have control anyway. We think we have control, but we don't have control. You don't have control on when you die, really. God has that. And so you might as well just trust him for it anyway, right? Amen. But he, if you trust God, you're going to see him. Five things God does for those who trust him. These are big things. Number one, and this has to do with Samuel. Get him right out of the book. This is really an expositional message here. God caused Samuel to find favor with, with him and man. With numbers with God and man. The child grew, in 1 Samuel 2.26, the child grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. It doesn't get better than that. 
Joseph had this happen to him. Genesis 39, 21 said, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Even in prison, Joseph had God with him in favor. Don't you believe the lie of the devil when things go bad for you, God's mad at you. That's the devil's lie. Joseph could have thought that. I'm in prison. I've done nothing for this. I do not deserve this. And by the way, 13 years is a long time to be, for God to be quiet. And God was quiet for 13 long years with him. 17 years old, he went in. 30 years old, he got called out of prison to help Pharaoh. Long time. How long would it take? Man, we get things start rolling against us in the first few months. We're like, I think God's forsaken me. You know, or people around you will say, what in the world he'd do that God would chastise him like that? They don't understand that God's growing him somebody. He's growing, growing you. I see it, the whole house of Israel had the same thing happen. Exodus 3.21, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. It happened to Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The early church in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily as such should be saved. Who added? Well, that's right. God adds to the church. And we want to, what we want to do as a church is get God's favor. And then when you get God's favor by trusting him, doing his will, he'll add to the church such as should be saved. And he'll, he'll do it. Um, God causing those around us to look on us with favor? What is that about? That's great. Whoa. I remember uh, when I was, uh, yesterday when I was young, I remember being in college, and then nothing certain. I mean, I was broke. I was new married, small baby, uh, new occupation. Everything's new. New occupation, new truck, new tools. And I'm out trying to get a job. You know, I'm going to, I'm knocking on Mayfield Carpet, Mayfield Carpet Company in Greenville, South Carolina. It was a big old carpet company, and I went in there. And I'm, uh, I think I was just 20 years old, but I looked like I was 16, you know, But anyway, um, <laughs> so I go in there, and I remember the guy, the head guy, his name was Mac. And I went over to Mac, and he was, a, he was an old guy, man. He was wrinkly. His face looked like a topographical map. And he must have been 55, 60 years old. And I remember going to him, and he's saying, uh, what, what's the deal? And I said, I'm a student of Bob Jones, and I'm looking for work, and I'm married, and got a kid, and I... I was raised in floor covering. My dad had me on a job since eight years old. I went into this little pedigree. He said, well, let me look at your truck. So I had a brand new Dodge truck, brand new tools. The tools, man, hadn't been out out of the box hardly. And he looked at them tools, and he goes, man, you know, those tools, get you got to dirty them tools up. People are going to get scared. I, I, You know, I haven't done any work. I said, no, I know how to do this and this and this. And I told him, and he said, and, 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 uh, before I went there that day, I said to God, just like this passage, 
I say, I believe you sent me here. I believe you want me to go to Bob Jones. But if you don't provide work, I'm not going to be able to do it. God, you got to put me in favor with the people I go talk to. Because there's a lot of people hunting for jobs at that time. And I was one of the least likely to hire. This young guy with a brand new everything, didn't know nothing. What can you know at 20? And so I go in there and he looks at me and says, I, I like you. I, I like the... I like that, what you got, what you two. I says, I'm going to give you a job. That boy gave me a job for three years I worked for him. And he helped me go through Bob Jones University, debt free. And boy, God, I knew God did that. They told me I couldn't pass tracks out. At the end of the job, I'd always give a gospel track and talk to the people I work with. They said, you can't do that anymore. Mayfields did. I said, I can't work for you anymore. And so I had no job. I went home and said, I got no job, no money. Now, do you all remember what it's like to work week to week? When you don't have a paycheck next week, you don't have groceries, you don't have gas money, you remember that? Don't you forget that. <laughs> That's where I was. I had no paycheck that week. And I went home, my wife, I had my little woman, so I said, I got no job. And she looked at me with, oh, no, what are we going to do? I said, we're just going to trust God. And so I trusted God, and I said, God, you, gave, you give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And so I got a call from Belk Simpson within that week and said, we heard you're looking for a job. I said, who told you? I haven't told anybody. He said, well, so-and-so told me. I said, well, how did he know? I don't know. He knew. He just said, you're looking for a job. We're looking for mechanics. You work three years for Mayfields. They're the best, one of the best floor covering stores in all of Greenville. We want you to work for us. And he says, by the way, we pay more than Mayfields. So I got a new job with a raise and a week vacation. There is a God. He cares about you. He's going to look out for you. Don't you believe the bad breath of the devil when he comes up to you and whispers in your ear with his horrible breath, there is no God. You're going to die. There is a God. And if you'll follow him and trust him, he'll cause people to have favor towards you. Secondly, God will cause you to be honored. Now, this is uncomfortable for me, but this is what the Bible says. That'll cause you to be honored. You're not seeking it. You're just trusting God. But he says, ooh, if you'll trust me, I'm going to honor you. And I said, I don't want to. Wait, shut up and take it. First Samuel. Remember, we're talking about Samuel. Chapter 2, verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house, he's talking to Eli here, and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me to, for them. He was talking to Eli because he dishonored him. He said, I'm not going to honor you anymore. Be it far from me for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It's the Bible. Just remember who's in control. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 12 says, both riches and honor come of me. And thou reignest over all, and thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great or to give strength unto all. And there was just God. It's by God that you are what you are, know what you know, and get what you get. 
In Proverbs 22, 4, it says, By humility and fear of the Lord comes riches, honor, and life. That's big. And Jesus' words in John 12, 26 say, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. <laughs> you wouldn't know who Paul the Apostle was unless he had trusted God. You wouldn't know Martin Luther unless he had trusted God. You would never have heard of Wycliffe unless he had trusted God. You would never have heard of William Carey unless he had trusted God, or Adoniram Judson unless he had trusted God, or Gypsy Smithy, Smith, or uh, D.L. Moody, or Bob Jones Sr., or any of them boys that have been raised up by God they just were simple people who believed God, like Abraham. It was counted to him for righteousness. Go back, go back to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15 sometime and look at the promises God gave little Abraham was a nobody living in Haran at 75 years old. He was told, leave your mom and dad, leave your heritage, leave your inheritance, leave all your security, and go where I tell you to go, but I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go. You just go... The next step and the next day I'll tell you where to go and the next day I'll tell you where to go and the next day I'll tell you. And then he got into Canaan, which is the land of Israel right now, Palestine, and he says, I'm giving you all this land, but you can't have it. Everywhere your foot goes is yours and your seed, but not now, not now. The Bible says he believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. The third thing I notice. The person who follows God with all his heart chooses to reveal, God chooses to reveal himself to you. Now, I don't know of all the points of these five points, I don't know of maybe a better point than this one. If you'll trust God with all your heart, God will reveal himself to you. He hides from those who do not believe. I heard an atheist, a famous atheist, saying, if you die and if you die and end up going before God, what are you going to say? Here's what he here's what he said. He said, I'm going to say, Why have you hid yourself so well? The atheist is going to tell God, Why have you hid yourself so well? I got thinking about that. Because of unbelief. You have to have faith before you're going to get sight. You get the order? It's not sight and faith. It's faith and sight. And you're not going to change God's program. And that atheist wanted sight before he had faith. Actually, sight was everywhere around him. I went out in my yard the other day and had me a spell. I got to see a red-headed woodpecker. And they, according to Tom Gillespie, he's, a, by the way, a pretty famous birder locally. He said, that's rare to see a, red, a real red-headed woodpecker. You people have them up north. We don't have them down here much. Must be a bad winter up there. COVID must be awful bad. Even the woodpeckers are leaving. <laughs> red-headed woodpecker. And you know what I got to hear the other night? You poor city people. A whippoorwill. Oh, I bet you miss them, don't you? You moved in a city, you don't get to hear them. 
We country people get to hear. And I don't hear well. My, I'm almost deaf on this ear and I'm hard of hearing on this ear and stubborn. Because deaf people are stubborn people. I don't know why. It's because people just tell me that. And so my wife hears the whippoorwill, and I have not been hearing it lately. It's hurt my feelings. And so God heard me. And the other night, I'm out with my wife, and my we have a little walk, and that whippoorwill flew close to me, flew and landed real close, and then got real loud. Whippoorwill, whippoorwill, whippoorwill. And I sat there, and, cut, cut, and I could hear it just clearly. Whippoorwill, whippoorwill, whippoorwill. You say, Bill, does God care about small stuff like that? He does. He does. He does. Old Samuel got to walk with God. God hid from Eli. He hid from his two boys. Oh, he opened himself up to Samuel. He said, Samuel... Call him by name. The fourth thing that happens if you will trust God, if you will follow God as Samuel did, he will cause your words to mean something and to last. Most of what we speak is absolutely forgotten. Most of what you've ever said is going to be forgotten. Somebody told me the other day, somewhat pessimistically, Three weeks after we die, nobody will remember us. That's true unless God says that isn't true. Are you with me? I still read C.A. Spurgeon. He'd been dead for since 1896, if I remember right. 1896. I read a lot of these old boys that wrote in the 1600s. 1600. They talk funny, but it's hard to read them, but they're deep. They're deep. No TV, no internet. Deep people. High, big vocabulary, deep people. Woo! You get a book from the 1600s and read it, and you'll see how smart those people were. Don't you ever think those people were dumb. They may not have had all the facts and figures of science that you and I have, but those boys knew life. So, he says here in 1 Samuel 3.19, he said to Samuel, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did not let his words fall to the ground. There it is, 1 Samuel 3.19. Most of our talk is just hot air, but not the ones who follow God and trust him with their whole heart. So let me review. Number one, God will show let He'll allow you to have favor with God and man. Number two, he will give you honor. The Father himself will honor you for believing the Son. The third thing is he'll reveal himself to you. He'll manifest himself to you. And you know, I'm rushing through this because each one of these is a sermon in themselves. The fourth thing is he'll cause these words, your words, to, have, to, to be sustained or to have meaning or to make a difference. Fifthly and lastly, God will subdue your enemies. Now, if you missed prayer meeting a while back, I, I can't remember when it was. I think it was Easter. I don't know when it was. I miss so much, I, I don't know. I did prayer meeting, I did a prayer meeting on a thought of in the presence of thine enemies. It was, it was a powerful in my, I, I don't call my sermons powerful, but I'm saying it was powerful with me. Meaning God really worked through that message with me. The presence of mine enemies. 
that God sets a table for you. Whew, want to get happy. And if I'd have said that in a black church, we'd have had five people stand up and say, glory to God. I love those people. I love you too, even though you're fairly serious in state, but nevertheless. Whoa! God sets a table for us. Oh, my, my. But he'll subdue your enemies. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. This is my last thing I'll show you on him. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. All the days of Samuel. God subdued his enemies. Under thee, O Lord, do I lift up my voice. Under thee, O Lord, do I lift up my voice. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be afraid. Let not my enemies triumph over me. That was David. That was David. I think we ought to be singing this about our government. Over and over again, in a psalm, David extols God for causing him to have the victory over his enemies. He knew who gave him the victory. He knew who delivered him. It was God. I don't think we have to worry about our enemies. I don't think we have to worry about Biden and Kamala and all these other people that once seem to rise up against God and the Bible and everything right. I think we let God take care of that. We'll do what we do, what's right to do, and what's before us to do and what's in our hands to do. And we trust God. We don't sit in a corner and worry and fret and, and, and get ulcers and, and tell our kids the good days are over and all this other stuff. You know, young people, don't you discourage the young people. This may be the next hundred years, may be the greatest years for Christianity. You don't know that, if it is or not. Oh, I think the Bible, we're in the end times. Yeah, but God's time's not your time, amen. A thousand years with God's one day. We may be 500 years away from the end. However, today may be the day. And looking at you, some people, looking at some of you folks, you can't be far off. I love you. I missed you, by the way. But I think we can just relax and do right. Honor God, serve Him. And watch it happen. Choose you this day whom you'll serve, Joshua challenges them with. Because God will set you a table in the very presence of your enemies. He's not going to allow them to eat it. He just gives you the table. Table now is a banquet table. I've lost my sense of smell. I can't smell a thing. I can tell you this. The best 30-day aged ribeye tastes like a piece of cardboard. Pay 40 bucks for that steak. And you might as well be eating, you might as well be eating shake and bake. I mean, it's just nothing. You lose your smell. I've lost some of my taste, but I mean, food just don't mean anything to me. I eat now out of necessity. It'd be nice if I got it back, but 
I told my wife, if we could, if we could market this, this would be the greatest diet program you've ever been on in your life. I mean, 65% of America is obese. We got a couple doctors in the audience. They, they fight this. It's hard. You know what? Let me tell you something. When you go to surgery, that's big. What is your weight? They want to know, oh my goodness, you have anesthesia problems. Oh, we may lose you. <laughs> All you got to do is get COVID. Lose your sense of smell, lose your sense of taste, and you won't want to eat anymore because it, no, there's nothing to it. Now, why did I say all that? Because God sets the table in the presence of your enemies, and he lets you taste it, and lets you smell it, lets you dine of it. Oh, we serve a great God, folks. We serve a great God. Mighty God, great God. Oh, don't you be down. I think the people have got to discourage a little bit. Discourage at what happened in election time. Discourage at where our country's going. But hey, our people before us, the people of God that have gone before us, the myriads, literally myriads, the, the great crowd of witnesses, the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. And that group has been through so much worse times than we ever dreamt of. Let's, 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 let's man up to this thing. Let's look at this as an opportunity to be a Christian, to read our Bibles, to pray, to be serious about church, the local church, help the local church survive. It's God's way of reaching the community. Amen? And when your time comes to take your last breath, it'll be all right. Why? Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right in my Father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. This morning, I'm jealous of Bob Rose in some ways. I'm a little jealous. May God help us to be a Christian. Even, you know, there's nothing wrong with praying, Lord, help me be like Samuel. There's nothing wrong with that. I have a pastor I love so much, Harold Seidler, up there and buried up in Greenville. Every time I go to Greenville, I find his grave. I get down on it. I don't care what I'm wearing. I get down on my knees on his grave and say, God, would you please give me a portion of what that old boy had? I don't think there's a thing wrong with saying, God, give me something of Samuel. Give me something of Abraham. Give me something of Elijah that he had. Give me some of, some of what Paul had. Oh, give me something of what John had. Give me something of what Peter had. Don't give me too much of that. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Give us wisdom. Maybe there's somebody here without Christ or Savior. Oh, you're missing the most beautiful experience they could possibly have is to know all of your sins are forgiven under the blood of Christ. For Jesus was, is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It says in John chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written unto you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and I believe you might have life in his name. That's the purpose of the book of John, by the way. John chapter 20, verse 31. What's the purpose of it all? That you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But knowing that won't help you if you don't receive it. 
Because it says in John 1.12, as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You have to actually reach out in faith and let your faith grasp it. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that indeed he died and was buried and rose again from the dead the third day. If you'll believe that, simple childlike faith, God will put you into his kingdom. He'll birth you into his kingdom. Your life will change. It never will be the same. He'll help you. And like Samuel, if you'll then go on to trust him, like Samuel, he'll do those five things for you in some measure. Help us, O God. Be faithful unto death as someday you could give us a crown of life. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.